You're listening to the Concierge Coaches Show with Bruce Cameron and Wayne Fritz, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Concierge Coaches Show here on L.A. Talk Radio, of course. I'm Bruce Cameron, along with Wayne Fritz. Hey. Well, it's Christmas week, and uh, hopefully all everybody's getting ready for Christmas or getting close to it. It's going to be here this coming Saturday, so I know everybody's excited about the upcoming Christmas holiday. And I know we are here in Texas, and uh, all three of us are in Texas, which, wishing uh, everybody a Merry Christmas. So, with no uh, no delay, we have a special guest with us today. Uh, we have Lisa Marie Shaughnessy with us, and I've known Lisa for, for several years now. We've collaborated on several things as it pertains to more clinical treatment and some other populations, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. Uh, well, we're, we are going to talk about something clinical, but um, uh, Lisa has published a fantastic book about about steroids, well, not about steroids, but testosterone in particular, which... Uh, See, so you, you know, I just already did a Freudian slip there. That's a nice segue into some things. Uh, but she's going to talk about testosterone. Now, this is something that's that's near and dear to my heart because a lot of the people that I see um, in my coaching practice, in my counseling practice, and now that I'm close to 60, a lot of people in my friend group <laughs> are either <laughs> exposed to testosterone if you know what I mean, in one way or another, uh, it's, it's become very popular. Uh, it's almost like a, a supplement of the new age, you know what I mean? And we're going to talk a little bit about that. So, um, you know, I, I, I did want to devote today's show uh, talking about Lisa's book, and she'll talk at the end how you can order it, and how you can reach her. Uh, she has absolutely uh, done her research uh, in this area. She's not a physician, uh, but she has done her research and has a, a lot of personal experience as well. So without further ado, here's Lisa Marie Shaughnessy. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Wayne. It's good to see you guys. Great. Yeah. I'm so, excited for this program, too, because I'm one of those guys that just hit 70, and my doctor prescribed it to me a couple of years ago for a while. And are you still using it? No, but it's funny. I was going to ask him if I needed to be tested again. I came back in a test. So I gave myself a shot in the thigh every, I can't mm-hmm. remember, every couple of weeks or something like that. And how did you feel? Did you feel honestly, any different? Honestly, I, I, I never noticed a difference. Okay. And you were doing the shots? Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, and, you know, I'm not surprised to hear you say, Wayne, that your doctor had prescribed it to you. Um, you're close to 70. I'm 55. Um, my doctor prescribed it to me when I was 43 years old, um, which is how this whole book came came around, Testosterone, the Next Drug Epidemic. Um Because when I went in, I was living in Scottsdale, Arizona at the time, and I went into uh, the hormone clinic uh, with the recommendation from a friend. At the time, I was doing sprint triathlons and Olympic triathlons. I had just gone through my divorce, 
and I was feeling really good and I looked really good. Um, but I thought, you know, I'm perimenopausal. I need to get my hormones checked. So I went in and the doctor told me, Lisa, your testosterone is 28. We consider that to be on the low end. You're a candidate for testosterone replacement therapy. Now, I had no idea what this whole testosterone thing was. I had no idea what pellets were. The only thing that popped into my head was my mom at the age of 45 had to go on estrogen because she had a hysterectomy. Well, I'm 43. Maybe maybe this is all a part of my middle age regimen. Maybe this is what I need to do. So I didn't agree the day I went in. I thought, well, let me think about it. And so I thought about it and I went back in and I went on it. And I did the pellets. So Wayne, you did the shots. I did the pellets and the pellets are little rice-like. They look like little pieces of rice and they implant them in your hip. So it's a surgical procedure. Um, and they use like a molly toggle type of device. And uh, this clinic in Scottsdale is known to be the pioneers in pellet therapy. So I thought, well, I'm with the best of the best. You know, I'm being proactive with my health. At least that's what I thought. Um, so I decided to do it. And red flag number one, first day they inserted the pellets. I went out to my car. I left. Got in my car, got out of my car, noticed blood on the seat of my car. Well, and I'm wearing white pants. It's July in Arizona. Well, there's blood on my hip because the pellets were coming out of my body. So my body was rejecting it. So, of course, I go back in and I showed them and they're like, oh, so they sew it up and I'm on my merry way. And life is good for a while. And then uh, I go in for my next pellet pellet insertion. Fine. It's the third pellet insertion. The women that I've talked to over the last eight years has been the third pellet insertion. For me, it was the third pellet insertion where life started, you know, going wacky. Uh, My hair started falling out. I started growing hair on my chin. Um, I was in great shape. So my workouts were so on point. Um, Uh, but you know, my anatomy started changing. My personality started changing. Well, lo and behold, these little pellets, they took my levels up to male levels. Wayne, I was probably your level. So I was literally transitioning to be a man. Not that I wanted to be. (laughs) Right, right, right. By any means, that certainly was not my goal. But, um, so I followed their, you know, advice until my life Did they do the whole polycystic thing to get you in the door? No, they didn't. Okay. Okay, Bruce, they didn't. However, in my research that I did, after being on pellet therapy for three years with three different doctors, that's the whole story. I don't know if we have time to get into that. But when when my life crashed and I was trying to find out how I became the person that I had become, someone that I didn't like... um, when I did my research, what I found was polycystic ovary syndrome, which is big for women. And Wayne, if you don't know anything about that, women, young women can get polycystic ovary syndrome. And um, one of the side effects is having high androgens with poly, with PCOS. 
Um, but the other thing is, is that usually women with PCOS um, become diabetic. Mm. And so for me, I became diabetic. Well, for me, I didn't have polycystic ovary syndrome, but because my testosterone levels went from 28, and to give you an idea, let's take a lab core or a Quest laboratory um, uh, range for a woman, is going to be uh, 2 to 45 or 15 to 70, depending on which lab you're, you're going to. And those are the two major ones in the country. Now there's all these other labs that have popped up that do other testing other than serum like Quest and LabCorp. They do saliva and then they do urine testing. That's a whole nother ballgame. But um, anyway, so all of a sudden I started becoming diabetic. Mm. And one of the things that I've read with polycystic um, ovary syndrome is they start prescribing metformin, which is the medication they prescribe for type 2 diabetes, to young women because of that reason. Well, now I'm on metformin because now I am diabetic. And back well, then I was well, thin. Wait, wait, wait. What does the metformin do? It Does it absorb the sugar? What does it do? What it, it does is it helps lower the A1C. Okay, and so your A1C is what will tell you whether if you're diabetic or not. Um, and so if your A1C is um, over 5.6, and if it gets to 6 and above, then you're pre-diabetes. And then if you go way over 6, like 6.5 and above, then you are type 2 diabetic. Was your metformin by pill or was it compounded in a foam that you would rub on your belly? Um, no, it's in a pill now. I mean, I still have to take it, but um, yeah. So the polycystic ovary syndrome, there's a, there's a lot of women. Yeah. And what I have found, and even following some of these very popular authors, I followed their journey and um, it's fascinating to me because now they're testing their blood sugar and they were talking about hormones back in 2014. Now they're doing blood sugar. Now they're on metformin. They were using testosterone. Now they're using intermittent fasting. And so I've seen this whole evolution with some of these quote unquote experts over the years. Wow. Okay. And, and let's, let's stay in the women's category, please. If, because I, I think this, 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 this grossly underestimated and grossly underserved population of, of women who are have experienced what, what you've experienced. And, and now all of a sudden, uh, after the second or third or fourth insertion of the pellets, then um, they're on this kind of merry-go-round that they can't necessarily get off or get off very easily. Um, now, okay, talk, so you, after the, when did you become the type two diabetes? Um, after the I third or the fourth, after a year or two, how long did it take it took about two years. Two years. Yeah. And I refused to go on medication because I thought that I could manage it myself. And I did. In fact, um, finally, when my uh, general practitioner said, Lisa, well, let me, if, if you want me to share my story, I'll do it in like the Reader's Digest version, because I think it's important because there are several it, there are pieces and there's red flags and I even call it red flags and, you know, red flag, number one, red flag, number two, red flag, number three, you know? And so red flag, number one was obviously my body was rejecting the pellets from day one. 
Okay. They were pushing them out. And so that was red flag number one. Okay. Red flag number two was when my uh, new gynecologist in Scottsdale said to me after a year and a half of being on pellets, I go in and she says to me, Lisa, are you okay? Which I wasn't. And I'm like this, uh, you know, and she's, and I looked at her and I said, why are you asking me that? And she goes, well, I'm concerned. Your total testosterone is 437. Now that is a male level, by the way. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. But she says, I'm more concerned about your free testosterone. Right. Okay. And your free testosterone is the free roaming testosterone that creates the male characteristics. Okay. So it can literally transform a woman into a man. And she says, your free testosterone is 35.3. Well, that's higher than a high level male free testosterone. And so I looked at her and I said, no, I'm going crazy. And this was December of 2010. And she goes, okay, do you have, like, are you angry? Do you have, and I'm like, yes. And I said, I feel like I have roid rage because when you think about it, testosterone is a steroid. People don't talk about that. That's right. Could, could I insert another red flag maybe? Yes. <laughs> um, just because, you know, I've had some pre-production talks did you when did you become aware that that your pediatrician a pediatrician had somehow midstream converted into a hormone pusher uh was that before the or was that after no this is that's like red flag number four or five oh my bad sorry no that's okay because it's okay First of all, testosterone is a $5 billion industry. Right. Okay. It was a $300 million industry as of 2002. Now, as of 2021, it's $5 billion. It is a cash cow. If you think back to when pain management clinics uh, were prescribing Oxycontin back, you know, that started in the late 80s. Right, those pill mill type things. Yeah. Correct. The late 80s, early 90s, okay? Well, they went from a $300 million industry to a $3 billion industry over 10 years. So you have the same sales. There you go. (laughs) I'm following along with my own hormones. I love it. Okay, what does yours say, though? I couldn't see. uh, Anyway, right where uh, a middle-aged guy should be. But uh, anyway. But but you I'm, I'm tracking what you're saying. I, I figured I, I would bring this into the show. Oh, I'm glad you did. And bring my own blood work. Yes, I love B-Y-O-B, it. BYOB, right? right. <laughs> Get it, Wayne? Bring your own blood work. Bring right. your own blood. It's all right. Yeah, bring your own blood. All I right. love it. Um, so okay, back to what you're talking about. With so my gynecologist, when she red flagged me, I said, "What do I do? I'm going insane." And she goes, "Lisa, there's nothing you can do." It's a pellet. Once it's in, it's in. You have to ride this out. Can't control the dose. Can't control the dose. That is a big thing for pellet therapy. You And you can't control how a body is going to metabolize it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does this person have a body that metabolizes uh, medication fast? If they do, think of um, what that's going to do with the pellet. 
And one of the side effects for pellet therapy specifically because of this reason is hypersexual symptoms. And uh, yeah, and so think about someone who has hypersexual symptoms when they're put on this pellet therapy. It's not fun. People will joke around saying, oh, sex, this, this. No, 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 no. It is not fun. This is where people can't control what they're doing. And you know what? They are physically being prescribed something that puts them in that position. Um, I had one woman in Phoenix call me after she knew I was uh, doing what I was doing with my whole testosterone platform. And she called me. She goes, okay, I want you to tell my story. And I said, what's that? She goes, Lisa, I had pellet therapy once. I was driving to work. I had to turn around and go home and masturbate. Now, this is a woman in her 60s. In her 60s? In her 60s. Oh, Lord. And she called me to tell me that. Yeah. I mean, this is what's happening. I know. No words. Thank you, Bruce. But these are the things that need to be talked about because this is not what's being talked about. Um, And... So back to your question on, okay, after my gynecologist, then I went to, I had a hysterectomy, but then after that, the gynecologist that I was working with. Wait, yeah. the fibroids were before the hysterectomy? Yeah. So I started getting really bad fibroids because I had high testosterone. Wow. Yeah. And there so. You. Don't want to miss that. And so they told me that I needed a hysterectomy. The one gynecologist left the practice who I felt safe with, who red flagged me. So I went to the other one there and she said I needed the hysterectomy. And so I did that, but I didn't feel good because by then I knew I had become addicted to testosterone. So for me, my whole, yeah. How'd you know you become addicted? Say that again. How did you know that? Because in my mind, I felt like I could not live without testosterone. Um, I felt like I had to have it, and I went down negotiating with my gynecologist, okay? So just like someone would negotiate, you know, I'm not going to drink anymore, I'm or I'm not going to drink whiskey anymore, right. I'm going to drink beer. Well, I'm negotiating with my levels, okay? So I'm saying to the gynecologist, well, I know I go crazy if I'm, you know, at 400 and something, so why don't we just put me at 250, she and to this gynecologist credit, she said, Lisa, that's still too high. Okay, now that's still a male level. And she goes, Okay, how about if we do this? We'll get you, you know, into the 100s. Okay, and I said, Okay, but I said it in the okay, disappointed. Okay, so I was disappointed, but again, it just kept getting worse. And I kept, I kept having all of these other problems. Um, and my anatomy started to change. Uh, so then um, I followed up with her. They did another pellet insertion. That one got infected. Oh, wow. They had to surgically go in, take it out, and put it back in. It turned purple. My hip turned purple. It was popping out of my hip. I felt sick. Um, yeah, it was horrible. And so... Then I said, okay, here's the deal. 2012, this was the end of 2011. 2012 is going to be the year that I master my hormones. And she said, great, I'm on board. And I'm like, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come in two weeks after 
you insert these pellets and I'm going to see where my levels are because I want to see what's going on. I'm not going to wait three months, you know, to come back in. So that's what I did. I went in, I had my blood work drawn two weeks later and she sent me an email that said, Lisa, why did you come in and have your blood work drawn? She goes, we just put the pellets in. Your testosterone is high and so is your estrogen. Now, mind you, I had no ovaries or anything by then. I was, you know, done. And it was like two, I think my testosterone was 250. My estrogen was high. And to which my response was, I told you that's what I was going to do. And I wanted a partner in my health. And so when she responded that way, that's when I went on a crusade to find my next doctor. And that is a pediatrician turned hormone doctor. Question. I mean, you'd been through several, you'd been through several rounds of these pellets, obviously got the abscess, your body was rejecting it on its own. Just a question for you. Why didn't you go with a weekly injectable where one, you could control the dose and the administration? They didn't offer it to me. They didn't offer it to you? Pellets were the only choice with the doctors that I were going to really? until, until the pediatrician turned hormone doctor. That's kind of sexist because I think with the guys, they can they do the weekly injection, right? It was pellet I, just, I never had a choice. They just said a, a shot. But, yeah. But no, my, they, I never felt anything. You know, I really thought testosterone, even my doctor said I take it. So, And I love my doctor. I think he's a great guy. That was my general practitioner and so I, I thought I'd be maybe kind of turn into a superman if you want to know the truth yeah I didn't notice anything but yeah. see you could have been one of the people that really genuinely needed it well, yeah he, he raised it up then he took me off right but did I, he take you off quickly no maybe I was on it at least six to eight months that's quick though to take you off so because now what's happening is this has been going on for years. You have a lot of these endocrinologists that have have spoken out. And I have uh, Dr. Bradley Onwalt, who he's one of the pioneering researchers. He, I, I quote him in my book and I've talked to him. Um, and he is talking about, he calls it the mad tea party, where all these clinics are popping up, you know, um, and prescribing to testosterone to everyone. And so short term, they really want to look at it short term because long term, there is a lot of issues. Now, Wayne, I don't know if you were starting to have um, it's a there's a possibility for blood clotting in men wow. that if you don't go and donate blood every week, um, then you. Yeah, you have to go donate. People don't know this. What? Mm-hmm. You have like to go. Hemochromatosis. Go ahead. That's it. Is that what it is? Yeah. And so when you are on testosterone, and especially with men, you have to go donate blood. And they don't tell you that initially. And then the other thing is, is that you have to be put on an estrogen blocker because your testosterone will convert to estrogen. So it's not just taking one thing. Okay. You have to go in and take several things. And so they talk about the supplement DIM now. And DIM is used to lower testosterone or, or I'm sorry, uh, estrogen 
or you are put on a prescription estrogen blocker, like women um, who use it for uh, breast cancer. Yeah. Yeah. There's a story, another story in my book. uh, I can't wait to get that book. We're going to have to talk about that. (laughs) Um, Thank you. Um, There's another story in my book that is about Paul and he can't get off of it because his body shut down and he went into such a depression. Now here's what's fascinating. Paul's partner and Paul both went on testosterone. His partner was able to get off of it, but he can't because his body shut down. And so therefore he went into a total full on depression. I understand that. I did too. How long was Paul on it? How long was he on it before we tried to get off of it? He was on it. He was actually on it for about seven years. Yeah. So he was on it a while and he said it was the worst decision he ever made. Of course. Yeah. Um, He was able to get off of it, but pediatrician turned hormone doctor. I went to him by then. I was like, uh, you know, I was just, I was really a walking zombie. And so when he told me, I asked him the question, so how did you get in the business of, you know, hormones or, you know, and he said, well, I was a pediatrician and I couldn't make any money. And so he started, he opened up a hormone clinic. And, you know, that was a red flag. But for me, I didn't care at that point because I was still a walking zombie. And so he put me on creams. And okay. he put, cream. Okay. He put me on creams. That was my first introduction to compounding pharmacies. I had no idea what a compounding pharmacy was. Um, and so I was put on testosterone. Instead of the pellets or in addition to? No, instead of the pellets. Yeah, testosterone, estrogen. Uh, Then he added to my chemical cocktail thyroid medication, which I didn't need. Then he added a supplement called uh, pregnalolone, which is the, um, that's the precursor to your body making testosterone. Then he added DHEA, which there's a Harvard study that says, do not take DHEA and testosterone together. If you are, you are doing your own science experiment with your body. What? Uh, hold on. Did you, did you remember your DHEA level? Um, I don't. Oh, dang. Okay. But I can find it. Why? What's yours? <laughs> uh, I know it's in here. Uh, but yeah, keep talking and I'll, I'll yeah. uh, I might share it. Because I thought okay. that was one of the things that they looked at. Uh, well, anyway. Yeah, and DHEA helps your body produce testosterone. So, and so does pregnenolone. And so, when you add three of them together, I mean, my testosterone was more wackier with the creams than it was with the pellet therapy at that time, just because they added so much other stuff to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then they put me on this stuff called adrenal. My face puffed out. Um, I was having like an adrenaline. Oh, yeah. Well, then it got to a point where I didn't feel good. So I went back and I said, I think I need to go on pellets again. Really? Oh, yeah. Because I was, yeah. So I went back on pellets. My last pellet insertion was September 14th, 2012. By November, you know what? My life crashed. Then they added um, a prescription of 0.25 Xanax because I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Jeez. You're on this push pull stretch armstrong yeah yeah so needless to say my life crashed and you know 
there's always a blessing that comes out of, you know, things. And, you know, thank God I have my faith because my faith is what has pulled me through all of the things that I've been through. And so I knew there had to be, even though my behavior became erratic, I mean, my behavior was so crazy that, you know, I could have wound up on a cover of a magazine, you know, because it was that, it was that nutty. So, um, but I had to, I had to do something and I had to take care of myself. So I went to my endocrinologist with the recommendation of my general practitioner. And I looked at her, I said, Colette, I cannot go to another doctor. She goes, Lisa, you have to. She goes, you're diabetic now. Your estrogen is 500. They didn't think that I had a hysterectomy because my estrogen was so high. Wow. It was because I was on such high levels of testosterone that it was converting to estrogen, even though I had, and it was being stored in my fat cells. So I went to the endocrinologist. This page was thing. go to the right doctors for this. And that is an endocrinologist and a urologist. Okay. Why the, a urologist? Uh, urologist, um, they work with men a lot when it comes to hormones. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and women, you know, endocrinologists and then also gynecologists. But you have to remember, this is a cash cow. This is a cash cow business. Yeah. Okay. And so you really have to use your intuition, trust your gut, use your own instincts. My instincts and my intuition were telling me not to go down this path. And I went against them. And so um, it was a three year, you know, roller coaster ride. And then it was a three year recovery ride. My body did not go back to homeostasis until two and a half years after my last pellet insertion. Took that long to recover. Yes. A year and a half for testosterone and then two and a half years for estrogen. And by then I was scared to go on anything. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, And so I wouldn't go on any, I wouldn't even take a vitamin. You know, I want just real quick, just for our, on the DHEA serum, right? So if you're less than five years old, you could go from zero to 67. Mm-hmm. Now for a, an adult that's from 20 years old to 106 years old, the range can be 31 to 701. Exactly. And that, that's real interesting. Now mine was 403. I know. So, I mean, 700 I mean, it's really interesting. So to to me as a consumer, it's like, well, gosh, right. I could get up to, and I'm sure I don't need to be five or 600, but you know what I mean? If you have that 701 calf, you think, well, I want to, I want to get an A in the class. It's like Wayne always says, everybody gets an A plus. Uh, Anyway, but anyhow, I, okay. So Bruce, how you can chase values like that. You're a licensed professional counselor. You have worked with a lot of different people over the years. So think about when a doctor tells somebody your testosterone is 100, it's really low. And that could be the, you know, part of your problem. Now that hooks them in their brain. Okay. They get stuck in their brain. Like, okay, this is my problem. This is what's wrong with me. Are you, are you, are you a little bit fuzzy? Are you losing mental acuity? Do you feel kind of tired? Do you feel like, 
don't you, you don't feel like you do when you're 20, do you? No, I don't. Well, hey, you know, it's like scoring low on the axe murder scale. It's like, of course, I mean, you know, of course I'm, anyway. So yeah, it's really tricky how folks can get into this type of thing. Yeah, it really is. And, yeah. you know, I, I really believe that. And I had to do a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um, and I did a lot of work with my therapist. Um, so but I, I want I want you to talk about Dr. Amen and your, yeah. your coaching. Sure. And and um, man, you're you know, you you got on the coaching wagon way before Wayne and I did. You're one of the original uh, kind of almost that, but... ICF uh, trained level <laughs> individuals. Uh, uh, you you know, one of the apostles. We're just the we're we're just the disciples. You're one of the oh. apostles of, of, uh, of uh, thank you very much, Wayne. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Of, uh, of, of coach. So talk, talk a little bit about your coaching training and, and how you have, uh, man, you, you know, some of your techniques on, on how you interact with others in this situation. Go ahead. Well, I will tell you that my coaching training was another, other than my faith, my coaching training got me through this period in time. Now I was trained in 2002, three and four by the founder of coaching, Thomas Leonard, and then also I was trained in another institute as well. So I did all of the life, um, all of the life coaching uh, curriculum and all of the modules. And then I also did um, a separate one, which was a sales coaching because I had spent 25 years in sales. So because of that work that I did earlier in my life and because I had those tools and resources, I was able to coach myself through what I was going through along with my therapist, because I knew I needed therapy, because as you guys know, coaching and therapy are different. And so, you know, coaching's dealing with the present, therapy's dealing with the past. And so I knew I needed a, a combination of both. So um, I was able to do that. And as I launched my first website, testosteroneaddiction.com, to start seeing if other people were going through what I was going through, um, I have talked with many people. Some of them I have had a um, professional coaching relationship with. Others I've been a sounding board. So depending on, on where they're at, I guess this is my way of giving back because for me, I thought if I went through what I went through, there has to be others that have gone through the same thing, but nothing is out there. And I happened to wake up to the words in 2014, um, Testosterone, the new drug addiction. I woke no, up to. That's wild. Mm -hmm. Those are the words I woke up to, and I bought the domain testosteroneaddiction.com, jumped out of bed, started researching, started writing a book, started posting things on Facebook. And um, so, yes, I've done coaching. I've been a sounding board uh, for people. Also, I am a big fan of Amen Clinics. Um, and I love the work that Dr. Amen does. And so I became a certified Amen Clinic brain health coach as well, Damn. because I wanted to understand what was going on in the brain. And, you know, one of the things that I love about, and I have a story in my book about someone who had gone to the Amen Clinics, who had undiagnosed ADD, was going to a testosterone clinic. His testosterone levels were four times what they should have been. And the aim and the aim and clinics told them with your ADD and the amount of testosterone that you have in your body, you will have no impulse control. 
and he did not. And his wife was the one that originally reached out to me. So, well, she had secondhand testosterone exposure because his gels and creams were rubbing off on her. So her testosterone level got to 400. Holy moly. And so she started experiencing things. But what I like about Dr. Amen, yes, is there a is there a need for testosterone? Yes. Is there a need for opioids? Yes. Yeah. However, it's being misprescribed by a lot of, unfortunately, physicians across the country. Um, and there is an editorial in JAMA by some of the major researchers that are in my book that talk about we have uh, an epidemic on our hands with testosterone being misprescribed. They talk about it and the online stuff. So, you know, it was almost like my revelation or my God download had to, you know, the research had to catch up to where I was several years ago for, you know, this book to come out. But um, so several people I've coached uh, regarding this. And then the other thing is, is that I am in the addiction treatment industry, as you know, and um, I work for Gallus Medical Detox Centers. And we had someone in Scottsdale that came to us a few years ago that was drinking uh, alcohol, that had was using opioids, was on high doses of testosterone and mixing in other steroids. We were able to help him get off of all of that and get his body back to normal and go into treatment. Um, and that's really important because, well, Bruce, you know this and Wayne, you probably do alcohol and um, benzodiazepines, Xanax, detoxing off of those are fatal. So use the Gallus method with this person? We did. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this was a Gallus uh, method and uh, Gallus is world renowned. I sent one of my very dear friends there years ago, which is why I'm excited that I'm working for Gallus now. Um, but yeah, so people are seeing this in the addiction treatment space too, right. where people are coming in with high levels of testosterone. And here's the other thing. They're being misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder. Because of hypomanic or manic episodes. Hey, and let me go ahead and insert probably in January sometime. Uh, we're we're going to have, uh, of course, you know, we're, you're going to be back, but with uh, talking more about the Gallus method. Yes. And, and Gallus detox. Mm -hmm. And I think that's real important. Mm -hmm. uh, as coaches, we, we, we do sober coaching, recovery coaching, and those things. Obviously, uh, we have clients that have to detox prior to the coaching, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, some folks maybe need to go from detox to rehab them back into a sober coach recovery coach after that. So I'm um, just telling our listeners definitely stand by yeah. for probably uh, early mid January when, uh, when we revisit this, the, the Gallus method of detox and stuff like that, but go, yes. go ahead. Um, so there was something else, another, your question initially about coaching and oh, I think I answered it with the well, brain health coaching. I, oh. I was saying that good coaches ask good questions. You know, the fact that you're a sounding board and, and I, I think people don't understand how healing that is even uh, empathetic, knowledgeable sounding board to help people. First of all, they, they can get stuff out, but also 
as they get stuff out, my experience and, and Wayne knows that they start to kind of work things out on, on what choices they're going to make, you know, so. because it really, it's within them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have their answers. It's within them. Now I will have spouses calling me because they're freaking out about their spouse being on testosterone, whether it's a male or a female. Okay. And so with that, I have one woman who reached out to me. Um, I consider her a friend and we've never met, but, um, one of the, I would just listen to her and I would ask her a lot of questions and she came to everything within herself. She went on to get her degree in psychology from Arizona state university. And she lives on the East coast. He went on to do all of these amazing things and she wants to update me because I think there's a happy ending when it came to her husband, not that way, but a happy ending with their relationship. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, I'm like, okay, that didn't sound right. Love you long time. Love you long time. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a, okay, that's the wrong choice of words. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, She went on to create her own life because she needed to while her husband was experiencing what he was going through. And, you know, if you think of the Al-Anon um, AA, you know, the 12 steps, you know, the, the men and women in Al-Anon, they're working through their stuff, you know, while the alcoholic in AA is working through their stuff. So she did exactly that. And, um, yeah, everything's good. Well, Lisa, I, I came into this uh this show today with um, well, Bruce has seen these many, many times, but this this is what I came into the show with today. <laughs> because I am all ears, and it, you blew me away right off the bat. Oh, and wow. I, I love it. I, I mean, I can't, I, I'm still curious. I have, I have a lot of questions that we can do another time, but it's just okay. so darn interesting. And we, uh, the company I'm with, we, we're partners with the um, American Diabetes Association, oh. large contributor. So diabetes is a big deal. And man alive, um, you have type 2 diabetes now? Yeah, I do. I'm so sorry that it came about. You know, it's funny. I have some very good friends that their daughter, they went away on a little trip and the daughter got real sick and she was a little kid got real sick and the flu and high temperature and all of a sudden she had diabetes. Mm-hmm. It was just a weird deal. And mm-hmm. she's had it all her life now. But that's a that's a strange, strange thing. And if you get it from like the way you got it because of the different drugs and stuff, what, heck fire, that's a sin. Yeah, well, you know, and um, I was 25 pounds thinner than I am now, so there was no reason for it. I did turn it around. I changed my eating, but I changed my eating to the point where I wasn't eating anything. I mean, I was barely eating anything. And so that wasn't good either. Um, I virtually would put no carb in my body. Wow. Because I didn't know, again, I've been educated now on nutrition, thank God. And carbs are not the enemy. Um, you know, uh, sugar's the enemy and, you know, some carbs you want to stay away from, but I've had to, I've really had to learn how to eat. And I hired a nutritionist that came into my house and, uh, started working with her 
And, you know, I could stand to lose about 25 pounds, but that's okay. You know, I just honor myself where I'm at right now. Well, I, listen, this morning, I got to feel that too. And I, I'm going to break in here just a minute and change. I got up this morning and I ran around a block three times. Oh, and I have to go to the time block up and put it back in the toy box. Yeah. So that's, usually when I would get the urge to exercise, I lay down 10 or 15 minutes till the urge goes away. Yeah. But, <laughs> Well, hey, you got up and ran around. You got to get moving. That's right. Keep moving. You got to keep moving. That's what Big Van Dyke said. He wrote a book about it. Did he call it Keep Moving? Yeah, I think it was that was part of it. Yeah, because that's what he says all the time. I love Dick Van Dyke. Oh, I did. His mother and my mother were both mothers. And um, no, but we grew up in the same town. So had oh, the same. Oh, really? Yeah, so. But yeah, he wrote a book and I think it is keep moving. So. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's what my mom would say to me. Lisa, just keep moving. Yep. So she must have heard that from Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> well, you're a fascinating lady. I mean, I just can't, I'm just blown away, uh, uh, Bruce. I, I just, uh, oh, Bruce, I'm speaking. We lost Bruce. There he is. Yeah, there he is. He's coming back. Well, one of the things that we didn't talk about in the book, Wayne, and I think um, with your background, I did an online survey. It's not a double-blind research study, but I posted it on my website. And I had 147 people before I, you know, turned off the survey respond. I touched people in all 50 states as well as in other countries. Okay, so India, the UK, Ireland, um, couple other countries I, I can't remember but I have I have the results in my book now in so it's all nicely done in my book but the couple things that really stood out to me 50 percent let's 48 percent of the people who took the survey said that they experienced manic-like symptoms well manic is the bipolar side you know so they experienced mania and then about 48% of the people experienced hypersexual symptoms. That to me was profound in this survey. And I really wanted to look at the whole person. Okay. Like you guys, from a coach's perspective, you really want to look at the whole person. Where are they at in their cycle of life? You know, and so most of them are, you know, midlife. Okay. Well, midlife starts in your mind started in my thirties where I started thinking about the things that I was doing, the choices I was making, um, healing some of my past, you know, and the experiences that I had gone through. But by the time you get into the mid fifties, hopefully you've done your work, you know? And so you're in that next phase, but not everyone has. And so if you've not done your work, then guess what? It starts popping up everywhere. Yep. Now, can y'all see me or you can just hear me? We, we can see you, see you, Bruce, but you're on my speaker phone here. So. Yeah, we can barely hear you. Let me turn it up. Yeah. There you go. Well, I know we had some technical difficulties here, as you can tell. Uh, but, uh, Lisa, how, how can uh, we got to wrap up? How can folks reach you? Yes. And how can they buy your book? So, my book is on Amazon. Um, and I have it in uh, ebook, paper book, and also um, an audio book. 
if you go to Amazon and you just type in testosterone, the next drug epidemic, it will pop up. Uh, so that's the easiest way. Uh, you can always uh, go to my website, which is Lisa Marie Shaughnessy, which it's hard to spell. If you Google Lisa Marie Shaughnessy, S-H-A-U-G-H-N-E-S-S-Y, I'll pop up everywhere. I've got several websites. And then, of course, uh, gallusdetox.com. I'm on the Gallus website with my email as well. All righty, then. That'll be, that'll be fantastic. Thank you. Hopefully you can hear me. Thank you for coming on the show today. Sorry about the uh, technical difficulties at the end. That's okay. And, and uh, boy, it's just is a, is a great program. Uh, thank you for sharing all that great information. And folks, uh, uh, come back and, and visit with us here to, in January when Lisa Marie Chauncey uh, returns with some of uh, some of her folks from Gallus to discuss the detox process. So, folks, y'all can see us on our Facebook page, Concierge Coaches, on our Instagram page at Concierge underscore Coaches, and uh, I can be reached at ConciergeCoach.net. And, Wayne, how can folks reach you? Really easy, and Lisa, remember this because I got to talk to you. Is uh, Wayne underscore five one five at yahoo.com. Very easy. Excellent. Well, again, thank you everybody for a fantastic show. Everybody have a fantastic Christmas. We'll see you next time on the Concierge Coaches Show on LA Talk Radio. Thank Take you, care, everybody. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks, thanks, Wayne. Thanks. thanks, Wayne. Listening to the Concierge Coaches Show with Bruce Cameron and Wayne Fritz only on LA Talk Radio.